When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it. Mondays here at Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And you hope you had a great weekend and gearing up 17 days as the clock ticks down till Minnesota. How ready will Nebraska be for 831? Good to be with you. We'll spend time next hour, the Black Shirt Hour with Charlie McBride, Mr. Black Shirt. Get his thoughts on the season ahead and some of the news and notes out of camp. Also, get some thoughts from Jay Moore with uh, Big Red Wrap-Up, Blackshirt Husker, NFL, NFL, or Hour 1 open for you at 489-1240, 489-1240. can get on the horn that way across the state, 800-825-5865. can email chris at hailvarsity.com and can always jump in the stream on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Log on to that, watch the show, uh, catch it that way, and any uh, commentary you have, go for it. Go ahead and uh, type away. Also on Twitter at HVarsity Radio. Give that a follow. Find Elijah at Herbal Essence. Can follow me, Chris Schmidt, at Schmidt underscore radio. So uh, a lot of news and notes to get to. Heard from Coach McGuire, Coach Satterfield, and quarterback Sims today will share some of their thoughts. Matt Rule, of course, after we got done with the weekend edition, addressed the elephant in the room and some of the rumors that were swirling on Xavier Betts. And that's where we'll start as uh, Betts deciding to leave the team. And, uh, you know, you look at Nebraska's wide receiver room, And Elijah, this is just not an easy situation for for any coach, uh, any of the teammates, and and a guy like Betts himself. Don't know him at all. Had a chance to cover him in high school a little bit. Enjoyed watching him at Nebraska, but it just was time for him to move on. As as Coach Rule said Saturday afterwards, Hart wasn't in it, and you've got to have a guy – that's that's all in and if and if he was able to look himself in the mirror and just say this isn't my cup of tea in the moment you probably feel ticked off if you're a teammate but you can be ticked off and and still support a guy for for making his decision that's been the the feel and vibe from anyone who's been asked about Xavier Betts is man you wish him well you want it to work out and uh, timing-wise is, is, is an issue because there's a hundred other dudes on that team that were counting on him and counting on him as a wide receiver, counting on him as a guy that has shown some explosiveness, 
counting on him to to be part of that brotherhood that they talk about. And for for Betts to just say, look, it really isn't for me. I'm moving on. We wish him well. We wish him the best. And it's just very unfortunate for Nebraska when you look at the wide receiver room. Not that they can't rise up. Not that they can't or won't get ready by August 31st. But that's that was kind of a known quantity that you've seen at Nebraska. Uh, he's a guy that flashed and thrived and would just have a, a, a big play, be it at Oklahoma or against Northwestern. He has elite talent. But just because you have elite talent doesn't mean you love doing something. And, and think about the expectations that Husker fans, Husker media have placed on a guy like Xavier Betts, highly touted coming out of Bellevue West. You can see the athletic potential. We've done this before. We've put a lot of expectations onto him with what he was going to be this year. And then he comes and to Matt Rule. he's shown it. He's shown it against Oklahoma, for God's sake. And, but he goes to Matt Rule and says, you know what? My heart's not in this. And, and think about that. The pressure that's on your shoulders as a guy going to Nebraska. We've talked about that plenty. And for, for good reasons or for bad reasons, Nebraska has a lot of pressure playing there. And if your heart's not in it, and if you're one of the guys that Husker fans have a lot of expectations, and think of the pressure that's on your shoulders. And to sit there and say, you know what? My heart's not in this. I'm not going to be able to rise up to those expectations. It's, it's, it's not for me what we have here at Nebraska, I, I mean, you hope that he goes and finds something that, that his heart is into, something that, that he's able to be passionate about because he's a talented kid. From our interactions with him, he's a good kid, and he's struggled during his time at Nebraska. And, and, and you wish him the best, and if you want to look at it with a, a glass-half-full type of, of mentality, think about the opportunities this presents to some of the guys in that room. I mean, Matt Rule and his staff, they've done plenty through the years of getting freshmen and getting young guys on the field. And you know what? If you have a guy who's, whose heart's not in it at the top of your depth chart, in a new coaching regime, you might as well have some guys that are young that are able to go step up and, and make some plays on a football field and, and at least give them the opportunity. That. That's the glass half full look at it for me today is guys like Jaden Doss, Malachi Coleman, Jalen Lloyd. This opens up opportunities for them to be able to go and make plays. And you know what? Simply put, at the end of the day, if your heart's not in it playing football, you're not going to be very good. That, that, that's how the sport is. And if he's not in it, you, you wish him the best and you hope he finds something that, that, that he is passionate about that he can go give 100% to. But if you're not going to be giving 100% to the game of football and a, and a coaching regime change, a rebuild you know what, there's, there's better things for you to be doing, and that's not a, a, a slight against Xavier Betts at all. Uh, I hope that doesn't come off as too harsh, but your heart has to be in it if you're playing the game of football. Well, and it, what's, what's odd is just the, the sheer effort he has put in to be able to get here. Not only the way he was incredible at, at Bell West, but just even going back to his recruitment – with with Frost saying, look, we, we, we got you, we believe in you, here's the offer. And he did what he needed to do academically to to be eligible and, and able to compete as a freshman, he, which he, which which is commendable. And then fast forward after he left Nebraska, you <laughs> listen, I'm not the smartest knife in the drawer, right? Okay. So there's no way in hell I was taking anything more than 15 credits. And, and I think he's doing psychology. And for him to crank out 21 hours so he could, so he could be part of summer and, and, and fall camp. So, I mean, like it was, it was zero to 60 with him having to ramp up and really 
pile on the the hurdles, he cleared those. And then when push came to shove, he just went in and, and had a chat with, with Coach Rule, and here you are. There's there's young opportunity, to your point. There's a, an old vet in, in Billy Kemp. Uh, you wonder when Washington's going to be ready timeline-wise. So they, they have some options, but Betts is a guy that just, again, the, the talent and the love weren't on equal footing here with these scales. Mm-hmm. And you have superior talent, and if it just sucked getting up the lift, if it, and I'm, I'm projecting, I'm speculating, if it sucked to get up and, and go to practice or – it what practice was work versus a chance to go get better, then screw it, man. I'm going to go do something else. I'm going to go do something else with my life. And that's just, that's so weird and hard to take for some. Not me. I just want the kid to be happy. But there's some out there that'll be like, you know, man, you're just wasting the talent. But he wants to go find something else to be talented at. Well, don't we all in life aspire to find something where our passion matches our talent? Like, that's what everyone wants you, to do. Like, or you crank your talent, you eventually get your talent up to your passion level. Exactly. Exactly. And for a guy to have the maturity to sit back and say, hey, my passion for this doesn't match my talent for this. And that being said, I'm never going to reach my potential. I'm never going to be able to live up to these expectations that have been placed on me by, by Husker fans, my coaches, my teammates. I think it's a mature move to sit back and say, you know what, before the season starts, before I am letting down my teammates and Husker fans, because I, I'm not going to have my heart in it, I'm going to step back and try to find something else that where my talent matches my passion. I think it's more respect to him more power to him to be able to have that maturity to do that with really the eyes of the state on you and the expectations of the state on you're, you you're inked in you were inked yeah. in to go maybe even have a breakout season because your skill level can play and compete against anybody in the big 10 anybody in the sec you have that god-given ability so let's hear and get jeff sims reaction first to bats will have some of the, the responses from today on the bets news that came out Saturday from Coach Rule. Here's Jeff Sims. You know, I mean, there's not really much. I mean, we didn't like it, but um, we got to respect his decision and um, hope that he made the best decision for himself. And, um, you know, we all love Xavier and we're going to continue to love him. So um, we just got to respect his decision and hope he succeeds. So that is Sims. Look, didn't like it because he's a dude I probably like throwing the football to, but we're going to love him, and, and he's part of part of our, our crew, even though he's stepped away for good here. Garrett McGuire asked about the wide receiver p- uh, picture right now in fall camp. Yes, sir. You know, I'm, a, I'm excited because of the amount of reps we're getting. You know, we're splitting two fields. Um, Coach Roll's done an amazing job with the practice schedule. Um, so you're seeing some young guys really, really develop. Uh, you know, the, the early ones are Jalen Lloyd, Malachi Coleman, Jaden Doss, Bryce, uh, and Jeremiah. They're having a really, really good camp. Um, and then we're kind of seeing uh, Alex Bullock burst onto the scene a little bit, Ty Hahn, um, IGC, Billy Kemp, uh, Josh Fleeks. You know, uh, the guys in that room um, are, are RDV guys and, and guys we want to go win with. So, again, glass half full from McGuire, and, and you're going to expect that from him, uh, focusing on guys that continue to get better that are already in camp. He was asked also, uh, Garrett McGuire was, about bets. And if this decision took him by surprise, um, not, not really. Um, 
I love Xavier. Once you're a part of our family, you're a part of my family for life. He's got my number. If he ever needs anything, he can reach out to me. Uh, with, with all due respect, though, um, I kind of want to talk about the guys in that room right now. I think they deserve that with, with all the work they're putting in right now. So, well, well done with that answer. Look, I'm not going to – you got to move on. I mean, Rule and Sat and this offense, Sims, the wide receiver room, the offense in general – Got to move on. We'll get to the, the scrimmage part of things here in a moment. But Satterfield uh, was was um, talked about uh, the wideouts here and uh, a couple of thoughts here on, on the young wide receivers because that's where they've got to turn to now. Uh, you've got Billy Kemp that's, again, your experience. Uh, ICG that is experienced, and he spoke a little bit earlier today as well. And now you have these young pups that are super talented, but how soon can you be ready? Part of the reason the scrimmage was sloppy for this offense, I mean, you want to talk about getting guys ready for the moment. When we talk about 831, you had Big Ten refs. You had as close to a game as you could, and it was, it was a shock to the system, and they did not perform or handle it well initially. And then they eventually got more comfortable. That's going to that's gonna be big for them next Saturday when they scrimmage again and see if they come back with a, with a better performance. But it's going to be even bigger here, the preparation part, Elijah, uh, for this team, for this offense, when, uh, when Thursday night comes around. There's more to going and playing and winning a football game than executing on the field. There's execution and getting plays signaled in. Uh, with communication on the and field, not being, yeah, not being late with a snap count or 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 a false start, procedural stuff. When there's actual refs on the field, not just refs that you're finding for practice in the local area, Big Ten refs that are flying in for a scrimmage in order to to get you the best look, they're going to see things differently than the guys that you have at practice every single day. There's so much more to going and performing well in a football game than just you know what I have to block my guy from point A to point B. You know what I have to shed this blocker and go make a tackle. Those are the big aspects of football, but there is more to it, and that's what it seems like, or at least it sounds like from the coaching staff they struggled with in that Saturday scrimmage. Well, here is Satterfield on those young wide receivers. Their opportunity grew a little bit on Saturday. We definitely need to build some depth in that room. You know, we got guys coming back off some injuries that will help us. I think it's a great opportunity. You know, it's a great opportunity for us to, to see what these young kids can do. we got some young wideouts that are very talented and explosive, and they're going to get a chance. Uh, you know, if they prove it in practice they can do it, they can do it in games, so they're going to get a chance early to show what they can do. Last thought here from Sat, this segment, uh, when it comes to the learning curve, and, and that's really what you're up against. You've ran the same plays a lot of your career. Your skill set's going to translate to Satterfield's offense. Do you know the verbiage? It's steep, but by no stretch of the imagination would we be that hard-headed. If that was going to be detrimental to a kid, being able to go out there and function and be able to play with, you know, uh, with his speed, then we would definitely scale back anything we had to. We're not, the, we're not an organization that's going to say this is what we do. You've got to figure it out. Like, we're going to maximize the, the athletic traits of our kids and let them play freely. So uh, Dion chimes in down to three wideouts now with a laughing slash crying face. <laughs> hey, you don't sign up for it. You don't say, hey, give me this challenge year one with this wide receiver room. There's more of more ideal situations. And uh, we've got uh, Herdizel uh, chiming in with a question that we'll tackle here coming up. But chew on this. And right now, if I'm straight with you, I'm it's it's one scrimmage where they didn't perform well against the defense 
And her Dizzle's question, given the wide receiver room now, does that affect your expectations for the year? Makes that uh, Minnesota W look much more challenging to me. As soon as I heard about the injuries, be it offensive line, the wide receiver room, and then just some of the turnover issues. Yeah, my my knee jerk Saturday at at, at twelve thirty was, it is going to be absolutely difficult, not impossible, but it's going to be hard as hell to go get that first win. Not saying they can't do it, not saying they won't do it, but seventeen days from now, you've got Fleck and you've got those monsters up front, and you better you better bring an excellent defensive plan out of the gate because that if they get things done, I, and if you're a Nebraska fan, God, you deserve, you deserve a, a feel-good start to the season. You, you absolutely deserve that. You want it. I don't know that it'll happen because at this point in time right now, three weeks away, what's your offense going to be good at and how much water can your defense carry that first game? We'll hit this a little more next time because I have some thoughts on that as well. No, we'll get back to it. 489-1240, you want to join. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hale Varsity Radio with you on a Monday. Less than an hour. Charlie McBride going to join us. Uh, Blackshirt Hour, Jay Moore as well. But uh, good input here on the stream. Hale Varsity YouTube channel from Her Dizzle. We just touched on this before we had to get to commercial. But uh, given the wide receiver room now, does it affect your expectations for the year? Makes that Minnesota W look much more challenging to me. It is. It has gone. It's not just one guy. It's just not on bets. But as a whole, uh, I'll, I won't. I will waffle back to, you know, maybe they're going to be okay. If you know, they need to have a good scrimmage and they need to have a good response against this defense next Saturday. They need to come back and and not have procedural issues, not have turnover issues. And what, what's going to win against Minnesota? It's going to be packing your, your special teams. It's going to be packing your defense. And it's going to be packing your, your run game. I mean, when we talk about week one, game one, 17 days away against Minnesota with some, some key figures injured for Nebraska, or, and, and maybe they'll be back before then. Maybe they won't be. What are you going into Minnesota with? Well, you're going into Minnesota uh, with, with possibly Turner Corcoran at left tackle. Okay, uh, Are you going into Minnesota with Piper at guard and not Nuri? Don't know that. I'm just saying, here's let, let's paint this picture. 
You've got Corcoran, Piper, and 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 big old Henry at the right guard spot. That could shift. And then offensively, you've got Kemp, you've got Fleeks, you, you hope to have Washington back, and you got Sims. So to me, Elijah, if we're going to say, okay, what, what can Nebraska do and what can Nebraska do well to go score some points against Minnesota and, and steal one? Steal one in a tough environment against a really good football team that gets better as the year goes on. You got a better shot, I humbly say, game one against them versus game five or seven. And, and your X factor right now, and we'll revisit this in about, I don't know, 14 days, is going to be Sims. Mm-hmm. Is going to be your run game. It's going to be your defense raising hell against, let's say, Minnesota's offense is, is beatable with, with what you have on defense. You'd like to think with what Nebraska is. And I'll quit sucking the oxygen out. I know you had a response to this. Yeah, my expectations have changed a little bit. I think it was going to be difficult early on anyway for the offense to be consistent. But I, I don't worry about the offense getting consistent as the year goes on. I'd be more concerned about this loss with, with Betts and with some other injury concerns with, with Palmer. If, sorry, with uh, Washington, excuse me. If, if he's back, <laughs> strike the record. I think they're fine. No, but uh, <laughs> I'd be more concerned if this was happening six days out. From the Minnesota game. So you got a, a buffer here. As of right now, I mean, what I said two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago on this show, has not changed at all with this news. It, it was the most important position group if Nebraska wants to beat Minnesota was the offensive line. That's what it, it was yes. three weeks ago. That has not changed at all for me. You know what? You can, if you have, but, if your, but your offensive personnel line, may have changed. Your personnel may have changed slightly, but if you can establish a rushing attack, if you can pick up yards on the ground early and often against Minnesota it's going to make the jobs of your wide receivers a hell of a lot easier. Whenever you go and play action, you're getting one-on-one coverage. A safety is looking at the run instead of the, taking the top off the defense early. You don't need to have a 4-3 guy that's taking the top off the defense if the safety's got his eyes in the backfield. There's things you can do schematically from a game plan point of view that can take some pressure off your wide receivers. That being said, are, are wide receivers still an important part of an offense? Yes. I'm not going to contest having, having that. A, having a dude that you can't guard... Very, very, very important. But is that the most important thing to find success in the Big Ten, especially in the Big Ten West? Not at all. Mm-hmm. Not at all. There's things you can do, and you still have time in order to develop a game plan. And hey, let's not forget, you have guys in the tight end room that are kind of flying under the radar as pass catchers. You, you, there's been discussions of splitting Fedoni out and using him as your slot wide receiver this year because of the matchup nightmare he presents. Let's not forget, the guy who had the longest catch in the spring game was Nate Borkacher, another guy who flies way under the radar all fall camp long. People talking about, well, is Gilbert going to get his waiver? As of right now, I think Borkacher looks like the second best tight end in that room, including Gilbert, what I saw in the spring game and what I've heard coming out of camp. So I think you have options of guys that can catch the football. Let's not forget what Marcus Washington did last year. Let's not forget what Billy Kemp looked like in the spring game or what he did at Virginia. Uh, Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda in his limited role last year, we were able to see some splash plays from him. You still have talent in the wide receiver room. Did you lose a guy with a world of potential that could have been dynamite for your offense this year? 
Yes, you can't contest that. But at the end of the day, Xavier Betts was never going to be the focus of your offense in 2023. You didn't build it around him. You didn't build it around him. You're, are you losing a weapon? There's no way to, to contest that. Yes, you're losing a weapon. But I don't think Nebraska's offense was so solely focused on him that the loss of one guy is going to take away your chances in your first game of the year. The, the weapon you lost is a guy that can make a drive look real great because you throw it to him and he takes it to the house. Mm-hmm. How many we, – we talked about – game breakers last week he was one you had and you know you had on offense more from uh, the stream uh cutter chimes in there's enough talent with kemp with washington with igc to win games having a running focused offense will protect the lack of depth in that room one or two of those guys will make plays when needed well that that's that's a good that's a good outlook. That's an optimistic outlook. Tell me, Schmitty, how many guys did Nebraska have in their wide receiver room that they could repl- rely upon last year? You had one. You had one, maybe two with Washington. You had one with Palmer. And, and you had, you I, had one with Palmer. Washington, as the year went on, found his stride and was a guy that I think you could rely upon. But still, like the wide receiver room was just fine last year, despite the fact that there was no depth there, really. Well, you, you had... People are... are, are, are Oh, there's no depth in the wide receiver room. Well, you were a four and eight football team last year. You're, so, you're so looking to make of, a bowl game. Kind, you don't need to have six. Guys. It's it's a rarity kind of, in college kind of depth football. Did you have? It's a rarity in college football to have six guys that you're comfortable throwing out in the field as a wide receiver and say, you know what, we trust this guy just as much as the guy ahead of him. That's a rarity in college football. More so whenever you're a four and eight football team in the Big Ten of all places. Is the depth a concern? Yes, but it's not so much of a concern whenever you consider Nebraska's expectations for this year. It kind of gets back to the original question. Does that affect your expectations for the year? No, Nebraska still has all the talent they need to go and make a bowl game. Nebraska has the talent they need realistically to put up a fight and give Michigan a scare and maybe go into the fourth quarter and win that football game. I mean, you know, the, the, the loss, is it there? Yes, you're losing talent, but I don't think it's as big a deal as some people on Twitter make it out to be. Xavier Betts was... A really, really good talent, but he was inconsistent during his time on the field. We never quite saw him put it all together, and I think we kind of get a reason why. Well, his heart wasn't in it, and if his heart wasn't going to be in it for 2023, how much were we really going to see from him on the football Let's field? Let's get to Fedoni, because he's a guy that can help supplement some of this question marks, some of the question marks you have with, with the passing part of your offense. And here's Satterfield as he was asked if Fedoni's going to play more wide receiver. We said when we got here, it's a positionless offense. So just because you have running back or tight end beside your name, that doesn't mean you can't play other spots on the field. So like I said earlier, we're not going to come in here and just say, well, the tight ends play in line and and we're going to have two really good players standing on the sideline and not playing. We're going to adjust the offense however we need to to maximize the talent level we have on offense. I believe when I hear Rule and I hear Satterfield, I know what there's a preference to be and do, and then there's reality with what you have and what what some guys are ready for. And you've you kind of gleaned that a little bit from, from Coach White where they've pressed pause a little bit defensively, and I don't know that they're going to continue to add pages to the playbook, but let's step back, reassess, and then kind of drill down and get really good at doing X, Y, and Z. And I have no doubt by now they have an idea from an identity standpoint here's our strength uh let's not just pray that whatever we throw against the wall works here's what we've seen through summer and into this this fall camp and let's lean on that and 
go that route. Let's let's emphasize running the football. Let's emphasize being a physical offense. Let's lean on that. Let's use the athleticism of a really talented dude at quarterback who's got skills with his arms, with his arm and, and, and his legs, and let's stress the defense that way a little bit. Well, what are we talking about from practice last week, Schmitty? Nebraska, they're, they're showing 22 personnel whenever the media is there. 22 personnel is two tight ends, two running backs, mm-hmm. a quarterback, five offensive linemen, and one wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting here talking about, well, are we worried about the wide receiver depth? No, there, there's things you can do schematically to get your playmakers on the field. As but you just, just got to be good at it. As, as we just heard from Satterfield, like, we're going to play a positionless offense. We're going to get the guys on the field that are going to give us a chance to win a football game. You know what? If you don't have wide receiver depth, you just run with a hell of a lot more 22 personnel because I think there's two tight ends that this Husker coaching staff trusts in Borkature and Fedoni. And if, hey, you get a waiver for Gilbert, there's a third tight end you trust. Are we talking 23 personnel? Hey, it, it's worked for Harbaugh. Worked for him at Stanford. Worked for him at Michigan. We'll see if he gets to coach three tight ends this year. We'll get to that later. <laughs> but more from, from Sims here on as we focus on Fedoni and his role in the offense. Yeah, Thomas, he's, he's, been, um, he's been phenomenal. You know, um, just going out there working every day. He asks a lot of questions, so he's always trying to get better and make sure he knows what he's doing. And um, he's, he's going to have an explosive year. Um, Thomas is he's one of the main targets in the offense, both the tight ends, all the tight ends, actually. And um, just going to spread it around. He can do anything. You know, um, he can be outside, he can be in the slot, he can be on the line. Um, Thomas is one of those players that can do it all and be there when you need him. So there, there's vocal confidence from his quarterback. And, you know, he's been itching for two years now to go ball and explode. So uh, that is key. We'll hear from Coach Rule from Saturday on the Eric Gilbert waiver situation. We'll have some thoughts on that here next segment, 489-1240. So overall, uh, I am a little more skeptical on the offense. Uh, They can make it work. That said, you're going to have to put a lot on, on a few. And, and that's okay. You just can't have any more issues. Issues being things that are out of your control. It's not self-inflicted issues by this football team or this coaching staff, but they're dealing with things that a lot of other football teams deal with. They're just not Georgia. They're not uh, Ohio State. They're not LSU. They're not USC where there's just a room full of dudes at a elite skill level, there could be that we just haven't seen yet. But just from a from a from a depth of talent standpoint, you've got what you got right now, and they're going to continue to work these guys and, and get them better. And it, it's so critical for this defense to to create some turnovers. Rule spoke about it Saturday. Last time Nebraska was plus in the turnover margin was 2016. That's the last bowl trip. That's the last nine-win season. So that's all part of this. Give yourself a little grace with some turnovers. Uh, We'll dive into what's the future hold for Arik Gilbert. Hail Varsity continues. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time, Hale Varsity Radio, with you on a Monday. Get the podcast downloaded, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, the segments you want to hear or the interviews you want to catch up with 
or the whole show. It's a couple of options for you. You can also watch it, Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Some emails to get into before we dive into Gilbert and his situation with the waiver from Matt Rule on Saturday. Todd emails in Chris at HailVarsity.com. This is Todd's email. Never understood the hype around bets. We don't need any head cases. Shame on Nebraska for letting him come back once. Come back once. The best predictor of the future is the past. And sure as bleep, um, he uh, screwed you again. Could have hit the portal and maybe grabbed a couple of receivers that want to play. So that's Todd's take on things. I get the hype. I get why coaches... Go get players of the caliber of bets. I go get. I, I understand why why coaches put up. I mean, part of the job as a coach is is to teach and help kids grow up. I mean, that's 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 it. And Nebraska's done that. And Betts has no doubt applied himself academically to stay in school. And you know, football ends for everybody at some point. The question is when, and it was this weekend for for Betts, or it was at some point last weekend. So that's Todd's take uh, after the fact, and and he's uh, not real happy with Nebraska's chase and investment. You're always going to chase talent, though. I mean, in Todd's uh, opinion is. Todd's opinion, and we shared that with you. Yeah, it's 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 a case to you don't me of not of, go get the kid. It's 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 a it's a talent question, saying you know what. Maybe he's been around the wrong people. I mean, we watched the Johnny Manziel documentary. I bet the Browns looked at it and said, man, Cliff Kingsbury and Kevin Selman, they're letting him run wild. It's we, not going to be the we same We can change him. We, he's got the talent. We, we can change him. Right or wrong, there's going to be that opinion out there. I mean, we hear about the the way practices were treated and under Scott Frost at Nebraska and, and some of the, the cultural issues that were in his leadership. Maybe you look at it and say, hey, Xavier Betts in a, a program that has some – cultural from the top that is, is setting the right example and is, is practicing the right way and going to hold him to a high standard, maybe that's going to improve him. I, I don't think it's wrong to take a chance on a guy with that much talent because we laid it out in segment one. We have all seen the potential talent that guy has, and if you can get his passion for football up to his talent level, you have a guy who's a, a day one or a day two pick in the NFL draft. It's as simple as that, and, mm. and I don't think we can sit here and say, well, they were wrong to, to take a chance on him. There's that much talent there. Your goal at Nebraska is to win football games. With Xavier Betts on the field, you have a better chance of winning football games. It's as simple as that. But at he's the a end difference of the day, maker. He's a difference maker. But at the end of the day, if he's not going to put in the work and, uh, and his heart's not in it, I think you wish him well and say, we have some young talent in this room that we also think are going to be difference makers and guys that have potential to be day one or day two draft picks in the NFL someday. So if we just have to speed up their process and get them on the field, I don't think the coaching staff is going to be promoting the loss of it as much as the fans are. Email from Matt, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Uh, he says, Chris, let me preface this by saying I understand that most coaches come into a game with their first series totally scripted, and uh, that's what's going to happen. The script has been very kind in Nebraska. It was good with Callahan. It was good with Whipple. But when the script ran out, how did the offense perform? And you saw it go south uh, for Nebraska. So, more from Matt, that being said, what kind of play caller do you think Marcus Satterfield will be? Will be? Uh, what I mean by that is, I remember last year Searles talking about uh, he could tell that Whipple was going to go down his entire play sheet ever before circling back to trying something again. Do you think Satterfield finds himself 
that if something's working, he'll make a defense try and stop it before moving on, similar to how Wisconsin ran the jet sweep. <laughs> it's a memory. Uh, up, up Nebraska's you-know-what over and over and over again in the Big Ten Championship. Thanks, thanks, Matt, for the email. I hope Nebraska can, can scheme a script that scores and they don't go away from something until it's stopped. Now, that said, the armchair of uh, quarterbacks of us all go, why the hell are they running that again? It only worked once. It's a no-win situation uh, unless you're just able to, to connect and, and really uh, impose your will. You know, what, you know what doesn't go away is what Nebraska wants to be, and that is body blows. Body blows, so that fourth quarter, things are softened up, and the levy breaks. Queue, uh, let's queue up some Led Zeppelin. That that's that's been a, a tried and true formula for Nebraska football. I it, it did seem a little frustrating where Nebraska jump out on on Wisconsin. They jump out on Minnesota. This is last year with Whip, and then. As Searles called it, I remember that vividly because that was a hell of a comment by him. There are some OCs that stick with what's rolling, and then there are guys who put the work in and they check the boxes. They go down their their list, they hit everything, and then they don't. You're in trouble. you got to change your game plan or what you can call or want to call if you've gone dry for too long on the offensive end. What was a 10-point lead? You're down 17-10 to 10 now because you've done nothing for two and a half, three quarters, Elijah. Yeah, and uh, it's funny, though, whenever you, you bring up, this is a, a bit of a, uh, an aside here, but you think about that, that 2012 Wisconsin game where they keep on running the jet sweeps and they keep on, on absolutely burning you there. Can you name me any of the wide receivers from that 2012 Wisconsin team? And that just kinda, uh, yeah. uh, is there an Abernathy? Close. Aberderis. Aberderis. Jared Aberderis is one of them. Not Amadeus, but Aberderis. Then you also have Jordan Frederick. And who was the tight end? The tight end was Brian Wozniak, I believe. Yeah, Woz. And yeah. then the, the third wide receiver was Kinzel Doe, hmm. along with uh, backup Jeff Duckworth. I remember the first meeting against Wisconsin that year, the ugly uniform game, where Aberderis was double coverage, and it double covered, and it didn't matter. They just kept throwing jump balls to him, mm-hmm. and Wisconsin went up quite a bit early on. I mean, that was Nebraska's largest comeback win before the Ohio State game. But but to my point that we kind of make, made earlier this hour, it's just funny that, that but that was brought up in an email. None of those wide receivers are world beaters. No. The, the scheme of Wisconsin's offense made them look a lot better than they were. Hey, run, you know what? Run you, it, run you, it, run it, play You, you got Melvin Gordon running down your throat every single time, and oh, now you get one-on-one coverage on the outside because you got to put nine guys in the box to stop the, the, the Wisconsin rushing attack. That's kind of the point I've been making all hour in terms of, is this a loss? There are yes, other people. But there are a lot of other people that would be bigger losses than Xavier Betts at this point in time. And as we kind of laid out again with the, the scripting plays, you're going to have a couple of weeks to be able to figure out what works for your offense, what you do well, and how you're going to be able to allow these freshman wide receiver, these young guys, to be able to bring their strengths to the forefront. That falls on a coaching staff. How, how big a pain in the ass is Minnesota going to be week one? How, how, how much of a, a, a matchup issue will they be on the lines of scrimmage that's what we don't know mm-hmm. we, we know that they're big and physical and 
they're going to just run it forward out of a bit of a spread situation and then let their quarterback throw deep on play action. And they're going to get after you defensively. That, that's what Minnesota does. And they're going to hold on to the damn football. They're going to eat clock and eat clock, and you can't go down, and you can't go down a lot early. I promise you, the, the, the Gilbert thoughts and comments from rules, we wind down our one at Tail Varsity. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Black Shirt Hour, in about uh, 15 minutes. Charlie McBride joins us. Jay Moore, his thoughts. So, what's going to happen with Eric Gilbert? Here's Coach Rule from Saturday. Un momento. All right. That means one minute. He failed Spanish and then passed it in college. I got it now. Uh, uh, gracias. Uh, yeah, um, you know, uh, we're, we're, it's not finalized yet. Uh, you know, I'd be really, really, I'm just going to be really disappointed if he doesn't get it. There's no, it's, it's the most deserving young man of that. If, they, if he doesn't get it, they shouldn't even have the waiver. The NCAA should not even have the waiver if he doesn't get it. Uh, but there's a lot of parties involved, and there's a lot of entities out there that um, – don't always have people's best interest at heart. But, you know, Arik deserves 100%, in my opinion, my humble opinion. You know, the great thing about me now, I've been through so much, I don't care, you know, <laughs> I'll say what I think. He absolutely, if, they, if he doesn't get it, no one, they should not have this waiver. So, collaboration with Georgia, or is there, is there other people? I can't comment on all that. I can't comment on that. Um, you know, when you're behind the scenes, you see a lot, right? And uh, my job is to protect, you know, uh, AG. And uh, he deserves this, and uh, shame on anyone who stands in the way or doesn't help. Are you surprised then that decision hasn't come out? I can't comment much more than that. I don't want to, you know, I'm just, let my words be my words right now. He, he absolutely deserves it, and I'll be disappointed if he doesn't get it, and I'll be disappointed in a lot of people if he doesn't get it. So, uh, very matter-of-fact from Coach Rule, and listen, you have a waiver, you have two schools, now a third, and the NCAA should uh, get this figured out. Two previous cases at two other schools well, last week did not go those student athletes way and you just wonder what what what's going on right now and is there a bit of a roadblock being put up by other parties not part of nebraska here well whenever you, you look at this it's not uh gilbron his third school he's on his fourth because he had that the cup of coffee at florida too because he went from lsu oh. to florida to georgia to nebraska which is another thing that the nc is gonna yeah, have to consider i i, uh, I missed the uh, the sec tour i thought it was georgia I thought it was LSU to Georgia. Yeah, well, he stopped for a cup of coffee at Florida. It was just for spring football. Gotcha. Makes it down there for spring football and transfers out, and he's a Georgia player by that fall. So uh, that, I think, is probably going to play in the NCAA's consideration here. But reading in between the lines, I had a conversation briefly with Brady Oltmans on Saturday, neither of whom has inside information on this. Everyone's playing the cards close to their chest whenever you deal with the NCAA. Mm-hmm. But we were wondering, based on how he answered that, if there was a decision made with Gilbert last week that didn't go Nebraska's way, and they're in the process of appeals right now. He never rule i should say never gave a straight answer on are you, are you surprised that the ruling hasn't come down yet i'm wondering if the rulings come down and, and rule in nebraska are angry about it and they've they've put in an appeals process and that's how they're hoping to get this done because the the standard from what we saw from the ncaa last week and also some reports that came out a couple weeks ago was that the ncaa and the multi-time transfers was going to pretty much give you a rubber stamp deny all the way down the line and i wonder if they got that denial now they're saying you know what we want an actual case here we're going to go appeal and we're sure. going to lay out the points that we have because we're in Nebraska and we we have the ability and the 
the the support behind us to be able to go fight this maybe better than some we, of the schools we, do. Here, here's Gilbert's case. Here's why. And you have the, the mental health aspect that is, and it should be in the player's favor. And you just wonder with how many different stops, despite all of the talent in the world, even as a freshman All-American, probably a top four tight end now on Mel Kuyper's board, to be honest. You know, what? what's prevented a guy from like that from thriving at some big-time schools? And Nebraska's his home now, and Nebraska's going to support him. Coach McBride's on the way. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. Thanks for hanging out. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in Mr. Blackshirt himself, Charlie McBride. A Monday with Charlie, as I'm sure Coach is uh, marking days off on the calendar. 17 days till kickoff against Minnesota. Coach, how we doing? How was the weekend? Oh, good. Well, what we had... Uh... We've been having on and off rain, so it's kind of broke into stuff. And I think a lot of people left the lake early and went back home and left this place just for me. Well, <laughs> you sound there's a little little twinge in the voice there. You see a little smile in your in your in your voice, just for you. Well, we got a few few fishermen that come in, you know, and fish, but uh, it's been it's been pretty quiet. Well, Lake Charlie is what we'll call it. Uh, Camp Charlie, Camp McBride. There we go. <laughs> well, a lot of news, Coach, over the weekend, and and I want to start with that uh, first major scrimmage of the fall camp, and uh, it was a day for the defense. The defense uh, flew around, did some things. The offense had some problems, Coach, uh, or I should say, Jeff Sims, not Coach, but Jeff Sims said that offense came out a little bit sluggish and. It's not very odd to hear that you know defense is ahead of the offense, but what what do you react to with that? With the defense coming out and having a good day last Saturday? Well, uh, go ahead and play on uh, this Wednesday, and the offense will kill them. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, the way it, that's the way it always went. I mean, it went that way. Uh, it's always a little defense is always a little bit ahead. But, um, uh, you know, when, and especially when you're putting in a whole new system. I mean, you know, it, you know, when we were there, we had a scrimmage. Well, we scrimmaged on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So, you know, it was kind of a, it was kind of a thing where, you know, we had two practices a day and, you know, you talk about kids getting tired, you know, <laughs> that yeah, it wasn't, but we don't. We didn't have as long a practices as uh, I think ours were about an hour and forty-five minutes plus, you know, some stretching and some things after running. You know, that running included. So you got about two hours and five minutes, I think, of practice. Charlie McBride's joining us at Hale Varsity Radio on Monday with Charlie, Coach. The other news to come out of the weekend was. 
Xavier Betts leaving the team, a really talented wide receiver from from Bell West. What do you uh, make of that? Uh, not ever a good time to lose a, a big time talent, but Nebraska is yeah. going to move forward. Well, that's that is hard because you know when you count the reps he took and they're not there anymore, and uh, somebody else could have done it. But uh, that's that's not an unusual thing with a lot of the a lot of kids. Uh, I, I I did it on a small scale with my children, and two of them, you know, when they we were sophomores, decided one said, "I'm too small, Dad. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play uh, basketball," and the other played baseball, and one stayed with football. So I, you know, it it it's just that way. I'm not. Uh, I don't think that. I don't think he's going to come and say, "I'm not big enough" or "I'm not fast enough." It's just that he has he has more. Of interest that you know that that he he has that he's had probably for a long time, and because uh, you never know what you know what's going on in their families, and mm-hmm. you know there's always other things that you just don't know about, and um, so I you know I have a lot of respect for him that, that you know just coming out and telling the truth and not playing and trying to cover himself up and then and that happens you just don't play your your best mm-hmm. coach uh coach rule said that you know his heart wasn't in it and that's what xavier had told coach rule and you look at uh, on one hand the talent and in a small window <laughs> the impact he had because he's made a lot of plays in a short time in lincoln uh, but mm-hmm. but you, I mean you can speak as well as anybody just the, the the amount of dedication and and work it is to be playing football at this level. Yeah, I, you know he's a, you know I I said to my wife I said you know I think if he worked at it this is when he came back yeah. if he worked at it he's he's in the NFL he's that kind of a player mm-hmm. I mean he's that got that kind of ability. And, you know, that, that's something that, you know, uh, people I'm sure have told him, mm-hmm. and it, it just doesn't interest him, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, you know, at least he's being honest with himself, and um, that's, that's the most important thing is, you know, you, you know if, you, if you lead him on any farther and you go through part of the season and do it in the middle of the year, you really leave some hard feelings with your teammates and stuff like that. I, I think a lot of them respect him for doing it before when he did it, mm-hmm. you know, that he did it soon enough to, you know, make things, you know, that it, it, it gave, it, it hurts, it hurt their, their, their room, you know, as far as receivers go, but that just gave some other guy more rest. Mm-hmm. Charlie McBride with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. We'll get into that in just a second. First, a quick update from the American Legion World Series, the semifinals. Lincoln East has broken up a no-hit bid, and they now lead Cheyenne, Wyoming, in the bottom of the sixth inning, headed to the top of the seventh. So nice. Lincoln East with a chance to make it to the final. I'm sure we'll get an update on that later in the show. But, Charlie, you talk about that update, or excuse me, that, uh, that, that opportunity for the young wide receivers and uh, Marcus Satterfield met with the media a little earlier today and discussed that, saying, yeah, there's a learning curve for freshman wide receivers, but it's up to us to make sure we're putting these guys in positions where they can see. Can you, can you hit on that for just a second? What it takes to, to figure out 
what your freshmen do well and how you can utilize them in your game plan to, to show off their strengths and, and not expose their weaknesses? Well, a lot of times, you know, kids are, if, you're, if they're really into, into the game and they're really into it, uh, they'll work on anything that you put in front of them. And a lot of kids don't like to block if they're wide out. I mean, you know, I, I still say Ron Brown's the best blocking coach we had. <laughs> you know, those guys, you know what, if you look at a game, Whiteouts are are guys that made huge difference in the running game, huge. And uh, so I think each kid has a has something in his own mind that uh, you know he wants to do better than something else. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that that can hurt. Um, and you try to try not to have that happen. You try to you know have them be blockers and teammates and you know and all the things you ask a player to do catching the ball and you know and and doing things in the off season all all kinds of stuff that you know you don't know what's going on i know dan just take danny noonan for example when he was playing for us when the draft was going on there's the first rounder you know where he was Mm. he was in the weight room (laughs) <laughs> I I can imagine with Danny, yeah. Well, well, they caught. That's how they got a hold of him, I think, eventually. But <laughs> he didn't mean one paying attention to that, and yet he was the first round draft choice. He was a good one, Coach. Uh, a, a lot's happened over the years with new staffs and new defensive coordinators. And last Friday, defensive coordinator Tony White was asked about the black shirts and. He's reached out to to some former players, but he also reached out to you. And this isn't the first phone call you've had to take over the years with a coordinator asking about the black shirts. Uh, what what's your 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 take on it when when someone new gives you a phone call uh, about uh, that the mystique and, and the heritage and and really that that brand that is a black shirt. Well, in reality, I was probably a little bit uh, the, the same way. I wanted to do it the same way that Bob did it, mm-hmm. and Vanny and his staff and everything, and not get carried away with it. Uh, um, but the thing I think is important is it's not a punishment thing. It's not a. It's a thing where you have so many people that are starters. Period. Mm-hmm. And not half of them are black shirts, and not a third of them. They're all black shirts. And the reason being is why in the world would you want to do that? I, I just say you cause hard feelings. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and in the other cases, you don't. And so if you have a guy that rotates quite a bit with uh, the first-team guys, uh, you know, is in the game a lot and – and so on and so forth, you might give him a black shirt. You might have 12 guys or 14 guys with it with black shirts. And and then I it, when we got to the bowl game, I gave each each senior that was on defense, every senior that was on defense, a black shirt. And because they are black shirts. I mean, <laughs> you know, and that's the whole thing. Our whole defense is black shirts. It's just that the guys that start wear black shirts and that's a, it's, it signifies that they're a first-team player, 
or a top player, and and it's not a punishment thing. It's uh, you know, it's a thing they want to keep it, so they they have to step it up. If they want to keep it. Coach, what what was that criteria for you for a guy to get a black shirt? Well, I think that just playing being a starter was important to you know to us was you know that that they got the respect of, of the team that they've worked hard and done that that type of thing. I I don't I didn't want to get too involved in it. Pretty soon, all of a sudden, we got people coming in and want to do a, a, another skull and crossbones and do. But we got hats and T-shirts and things like that. We had, you know, things that promoted the black shirts, and which is now. In the past, it was just the black shirt, and that was it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and everything was all about the offense, but I think that stepped <laughs> up the defense part of it, you know. And But as far as I was concerned, I didn't – I wanted them to feel comfortable – um, we didn't make a big deal out of uh, it, but I've said it before. I gave black shirts to the kickers one time when we went. Well, about the last four or five years I was there, the kickers they just seemed to be in the middle of nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. And I gave them all black shirts because they were all involved in it. And we had kids that get a black shirt started to cry. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got tears in their eyes, and I mean, that, that's how much it meant to them. So when that, when you see that happening, and when you go to a game and you you go over to the sideline and they, you talk to some of the little kids and that, and they they say someday I want to be a black shirt. Well, those are the things that are important, you know. That that you that they're doing the right thing for the state and for you know the young people in the state. Black shirts still mean a lot. Charlie, do you have a, a memory of your favorite black shirt that you got to give out? Is there anyone whose reaction stands out in your memory as being special? Oh, I don't know. I I think most of the time it's it, it's usually the guy that doesn't accept one. I remember Toby Wright; he got one, and he he I, he he actually was shocked. I mean, I I don't know why he was shocked. He was starting, but. You know, he was, he's one that I do, I do remember. And, and you know, the, the other guys who, who grew up around the Nebraska program were, he, he was from out west, and he, he really didn't understand exactly what, what it was, I, I think, at the time still. Uh, the other guys all did, you know, that were from around here and everything else. They, uh, they knew what a black shirt was. And he knew how important it was, but he didn't know exactly the, the real details of why, you know, he, he got a black shirt. And when he got one, he was like, I'm, I, I'm getting one. You know, it was like he's, he already knew he was first team and he'd be getting one, but he acted like he didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, it's, it, it, he was really surprised, and he's one guy that I remember. The other thing where, where the kids said, were uh, probably that were uh, alternates that were, you know, that alternated and played quite a bit. Um, you know, some of them that, you know, got black shirts. If I had to think, I could probably write down 10 guys, but, you know, right now I can't think of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there were so many kids that, you know, that went through the program and did that. 
and uh, and deserve to be it. And there's guys that deserve to be black shirts that did never get one. Mm. Well, Coach, we're uh, about 17 days away from kickoff against Minnesota. We'll talk to you next Monday, and maybe we'll have some, some black shirts to talk about. Maybe we'll get that during the, the week of Minnesota. But uh, kickoff getting closer, and it's always fun to spend a few minutes with you. Thanks so much for the time today. Okay, guys. Well, have a good week. You do the same, Hang Coach. in there. Don't, don't chase anybody off, okay? <laughs> we, we'll, we'll try and behave. Okay. I'll talk to you later. See you, Coach. Okay. Bye-bye. There he is, Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride. A Monday with Charlie, part of the Blackshirt Hour. We'll spend time with Big Red Wrap-Ups, Jay Moore. And take uh, some more of your emails, more of your comments into the stream. And yeah, the criteria is got to be a starter, do the right things, and go make some plays. Spitty, your update from the Little League World Series, the American Legion World Series. Lincoln East advances to the final, a 2-1 to win. Only one base hit. That was all it took because they get a 2-1 to win. They close it out. And uh, they take down Wyoming, Cheyenne, Wyoming to advance to the American Legion World Series final. East is on fire. Good for them. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the big run and NFL vet. Is Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing? It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity continues. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, the Blackshirt Hour rolls forward. Jay Moore with us. Blackshirt Husker NFLer, co-host, Big Red Wrap-Up. Jaybird, two weeks, man. Countdown is on. Uh, we're going to expect you next Monday to be sleeveless and, and maybe some eye black. Yeah, you know, next Monday. Uh, so I turned 40 on Wednesday. So it's, things, are, things are moving fast for uh, this guy right now. That's a hint for keg to be delivered. <laughs> Would it, wouldn't hate it. Wouldn't turn it down. <laughs> uh, it'd, get, it'd get access. I know that. Uh, funny story about eye black, though. I think I wore it one time. It was 2004. We're playing at Pitt, Callahan's first year. We won against Joe Flacco and the Pittsburgh Panthers, but uh, I did not play particularly well. So I have not, I never wore eye black again ever since then. So I'm just, there's some superstitions that, you know, I like to uh, adhere by. In your defense, wasn't Pittsburgh getting flooded that day? It was. It was nuts. When we got to the airport, we flew into Pittsburgh that morning and we were driving from the airport. The airport in Pittsburgh is outside, way outside city limits. And we were th- driving, you know, charter buses through floods. And, like, there were cars literally floating and, like, hitting into the medians. It was nuts. The field was a mess, too. But, uh, yeah, that was – I forgot about that. I forgot about the floods. It was not uh, It was not a very good situation. Did you guys have to jump from bus to boat and then motor in? We did not. Okay. Charter, we were able to get through on those charter buses. It was a little area. that, Like, once you got downtown, it was fine. But it was more like outside city limits, I think, that took it the worst. Uh, the the wonderful home-and-home home versus Pitt, right? Tight. Yeah, I think, I think less than, like, 40 points were scored in both games. I think you're right. Take the unders, Elijah. 7-6 uh, to six <laughs> thriller. Uh, Callahan post-game in Lincoln a year later in 05. Mm-hmm. He's doing the post game. I think ABC and I think your boy Potter blacked a, a would be game winning field goal for well, Pitt twice. Twice. They, they right. tried, well, they tried kicking the game. They tried kicking the game winner on third down. 
snapped it over the holder's head. They got it back, so they kicked it again. They got another chance, and then I think Potter and Ickes might have blocked it. <laughs> so Callahan's got the uh, the post game. I don't know if it was Jack or Rude, but let's talk about the offense and Billy C's let's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that leads us into Nebraska and the news over the weekend on, on Xavier Betts. Your reaction? Yeah, a little. Um, obviously, you don't want to hear of a, a kid leaving at this time. And it's that was already a, a fairly thin wide receiver room. Or I shouldn't say thin. It's I would say it's more of a. You know they don't they have they don't have a lot of depth and, mm-hmm. uh, and they don't have a lot of experience. That's the word I'm looking for. That they, you know, Billy Kemp obviously has played a ton of football. Marcus Washington played just played some football, but you're going to have to rely on some younger players now in that room, which is okay because I think that's one position you can play young guys at and be okay at. Now, if this was an offensive lineman or defensive lineman that left that you're relying on, I'd be I'd be much more concerned. But again, you want. This this game is one up front. It's not won by having a great receiving core. You just need a guy. You just have serviceable guys, guys you can rely on, guys you can trust, guys who have good camaraderie with the quarterback and good timing and a good relationship with. But you know, he was his situation was interesting. You know, he was here, he left, and he leaves again. But he was going to play. And Xavier was, they they had they, sang a lot of high hopes for him uh, after spring ball and headed into fall camp and through fall camp. You know, one of the fastest guys in the team. And he's played, and he played very, very well at a high level just a couple of years ago under Frost's offense. But must have some other things going on, you know, mentally, and and that's okay, you know, as long as he knows, and this is what he wants to do, then then go be happy and do what you, you know you're happy doing. But I'm not I'm not overly concerned though, because it's like I said, it's a wide receiver position. You can you can fill in there, and I I just don't foresee this take you know being a huge hit to this to this football team early on in the season, early on in year one for Matt Rule. Jay Moore's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And Jay, the quote from Matt Rule following Saturday's practice was the fact that, that Xavier Betts said his heart wasn't in it. And football's not a sport that, that I think you can compete at at a high level. You'll never be able to reach your potential if your heart isn't in it. And your guy who's been there and done that, is that an accurate assessment of the situation that if Xavier's heart wasn't in it, he was never going to live up to that that potential I think a lot of Husker fans saw? Oh, 100%. Uh, this isn't high school. You can't kind of jog your way through it, man. It's a full sprint. And you got to be 100% committed because the amount of time and effort that, that goes into it is unlike anything else. What the, what they demand out of you from the football side of things, whether that's the training, uh, the taking care of your body, the practice schedule, the meeting times, and then plus you're trying to be a student on top of that as well. So you don't have – during the season, it's it's twelve hour days for you know four months straight. Not as not as you know rig, um, as tough during during the uh, winter semesters and during spring, but you got you have to be fully committed during the season because you don't you don't have a time to catch your breath or blink. You just got to be ready to go. You kind of put the blinders on and you just get yourself in a routine and it's go time. And if your heart is not in it, it's hard to get yourself to get up at five thirty a.m. to get a lift in. Uh, on a Wednesday morning, it's hard to get up and go to go to meetings and get a workout in after a game. You know, we had a we we our meetings and we lifted and ran after games on Sundays when you're tired and sore and uh, you have to want it. And if you're not into it, you know, with with all your heart and and uh, and mentally, you can't compete. You can't compete at this level. It's hard to compete. I'd, I'd imagine at any sport 
in the collegiate level if your heart's not in it. And if it's not, I'm glad, I'm glad he realized that at this, sometimes you can kind of, I don't know if to say it's peer pressure, but you, it's hard to swallow your pride and admit that you're just not in, in it. And he did. And I, I commend him for that. Cause it's not an easy situation, but you have to be 100% committed to be a division one, big 10 student athlete. I don't care in what sport it's, it's, it's a grind and it's a, it's a long arduous process. So your head's your head, mind's not in it. You know, there's no chance. Jay, just touch on the ratio of football practice meetings to games. I mean, it's an upside down number, isn't it? All the time yeah. put in for 12 Saturdays in the fall. Yeah. 12, you know, 12 games versus uh, 48 practices during the season. And how many 30 some for training camp. So you're looking at 70, you're looking at 80 plus practices, just practices to play 12 games. And then, you make a conference championship game, tackle on another four or five, you make a bowl game. I think you get 15 practices for bowl games or 12 or whatever the number is. I don't know. We haven't been to a bowl game so long. I don't even know what they, what they're, what that uh, amount of practices they get, but it's, it's 10 plus. So yeah, it's, it's hard. It's in the practices, but they're supposed to be hard. The mm-hmm. practices are need to be hard. So the games become easy. And that's because Saturdays and, and Thursday nights and college football, that's what, what, that's what matters. And that's what puts people, you know, that's what what puts butts in seats and and money into the into the bank to pay these coaches to come in here and get this thing back to where it needs to go. So it's it's I think that's every sport. You know, you look at baseball, maybe not, you know, basketball, maybe not uh, as as many. It's but football, it's 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 just rare. Yeah. Like I said, 12 games, you're probably 80, 80 practices to get ready for these 12 games throughout uh, throughout a six month process. Jay Moore with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Jay, whenever we're just talking about the amount of work and effort that goes into one Husker football season, you mentioned before uh, when you were talking about Xavier Betts and his departure that it really doesn't come down to him, the success of the team this year. It's going to fall down to that offensive line. And based on what we're hearing out of fall camp and what we've heard through this offseason, how much in terms of, of strides do you think an offensive line can make throughout an offseason? They, they were clearly the weak part of the team last year, and I know some scheme can help that, and another 12 months of development can help that, but how much can realistically be done in one single offseason to improve an offensive line when it's, I mean, four out of the five guys are, are still going to be the same? Yeah, a lot can be done. I think what's going to help this team going forward, and I think what's hurt them in years past was, I think there was a lot of tinkering going on with offense. I think Scott, being a very smart, offensive-minded football coach, led him to always tinker styles, play calls, game plans, the process throughout the week because he was this is the way his mind worked, and that's just kind of how it went down. And I think that hindered the offensive line because you didn't know you couldn't really fully develop and commit to something. You're always kind of tweaking things. Everything was just – it was just hard to build camaraderie within the, within the offensive line, uh, timing, timing with the running backs, timing with the quarterbacks. The things I think were always were, – were always tweaked. I think you saw a little bit more success, you know, once Scott was unfortunately had to be fired after the Georgia Southern game because I think they committed to more, you know, certain things once, once Casey was healthy. Obviously, when he wasn't in those, those couple games where he's banged up, wasn't much you're going to do just because the, the the QB play wasn't need, wasn't uh, where it needed to be and the defenses didn't have to respect anything. But going forward, I think if they can say this is who well, who we are, this is what we're going to be, and this is who, what it's going to be week in and week out, and we're going to work on these drills, 
this, th these certain things. We're going to use these certain phrases week in, week out, day in, day out. And you're, we're going to commit to this. And that's how you get better. You don't, you can't get better always constantly trying to find something else, tweak something else, tinker with this. You have to, you kind of got to just commit. And I think that's what they're going to, what we're going to get. So I think they can get better. I mean, having the addition of Ben Scott's going to be a huge help. You know, I, Teddy, if Teddy Pross can stay healthy, that's, that's going to be big, but Turner Cochran and Ethan Piper, you know, those guys, they've played a lot of good football. We've heard they, the coaches have sang the praises of Ethan Piper so far. So you know, I love to hear that. I, this is, this offense is going to go as this offensive line goes and this defense is going to go as the defensive line goes. That's, that's just what it is and how it's going to be uh, until the end of time with, with the game of football. So I think they, I think they can make decent strides here. Uh, early on and throughout the season, I think it, there might be some rough goes. It just that's going to happen. New staffs early on, but I think they can. I firmly believe that they can become a better football team and a better offensive line once you start getting into week two, three, and four, because they're not going to have that constant tinkering and, and the change of plans and the change of terminology and the game plans. You know, you kind of go rogue on the game plans. You know, after the first quarter or after the second half. So I'm excited to see them commit to a process finally. Jay Moore is with us. Hail Varsity Radio at Moore 44 We'll have more with the Blackshirt Husker NFLer and co-host of Big Red Wrap-Up. Uh, more with Jay coming up in the Blackshirt Hour. A reminder about your friends with the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety. One of every three fatal crashes in Nebraska involves an alcohol-impaired driver. Why take chances if you drink? Don't drive. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Coach McBride kicked off this second hour. And uh, more with Jay Moore. And don't forget, podcast there for you. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play to get caught up on each and every show. Some segments you want, the entire show, and then the Hale Varsity YouTube channel. Jay Moore continues after this on Hale Varsity. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jay Moore's with his black shirt Husker NFLer, co-host Big Red Ramp-Up. Find him on Twitter at jmore 44 Jay, the first scrimmage was a day for the defense. Uh, some turnovers forced, and sounds like they won the day. The offense will want to come back this Saturday and respond and you've been a part of it you've also covered it so not out of the ordinary for the defense to be ahead does that cause panic for you at all with the offense or is it kind of what you were just touching on that this is an offense that you foresee getting better as the year goes on that being said is the defense going to have to be almost bulletproof here the first month of the year you know I don't think so this is this is pretty normal this, this time of camp, the defense, I don't care where you're at with a, with the new coaching staff. It doesn't matter if they've been here for one year or 10 years. The defense always has more success early on in camp. Always has, always will be. Just because it's easier to uh, to get the timing in the with everything in practice with the defense. There's just so many other moving parts with with an offense. You know, you got the offensive line, you got the, the QB, uh, you know, center exchange. You got to build on you you know the timing with running backs the timing with the court their wide receivers the timing with the tight ends they're just there's just so many more variables in the offense with defense it's like you you feed off each other so much more easily and you're able to just kind of gain some more ground but i guarantee you that the offense will be a lot better at this next scrimmage that they're gonna have i, I wouldn't be surprised if the offense kicks her butt 
just because that's how it happens. You so this happens every every practice, whatever. If the defense has success, that offense gets their tit, their butts chewed out in meetings, and they come out and they get better and they perform better. And that's just the process. That's how it's always been in every level of football I've been a part of. The defense always wins early on in training camp or in spring ball, and the offense eventually catches up. And you got a, you got a pretty good competition going on. So not surprised, not concerned at all. Uh, honestly, just with the three three five and the the kind of the just it's such a different schematic, you know, such a different scheme than than any of these guys have played in. I'm at peace more knowing that this isn't overwhelming for them that they're able they're having some success with it. So that's that was good for me to hear as well. So I'm not concerned. You know, they're gonna the offense is gonna get better, uh, and then the defense is gonna get their you know their their butts kicked. They're gonna get their butts chewed in meetings, and then boom, they're, then they'll be back at it, and they're gonna get better too. So it's just kind of how it works uh, in the game of football. You just kind of go back and forth throughout the year. Jay, when you talk about those those brutal meetings where the entire side of the ball gets their their butts chewed, do you have any distinctive memories uh, looking back at some times that uh, that you were in a meeting and you wish you weren't there based on what you were seeing in film? Yeah, unfortunately, it's been too many games. You know, we've had we've had to watch some uh, tape review as a whole team before after some losses that's very unusual and when that happens that's very uncomfortable because you have the head guy up front and the head guy at the time being bill callahan calling you out in front of the whole team so that's that's always rough you know there's some practices that that they get you and it's a practice you know and you you learn you get better from it but the games are the games are the tough ones and you have those situations like that where you're sitting in front of you know everybody and it's He's calling you out, and you hear him ripping everyone, and it's a, it's a bad feeling to be in, but it works, you know, because you don't ever want to be in that situation again, and you get better from it. And I think it only happened once, and I was there, I believe, when we lost at Kansas my junior year. That's when it happened. We came in that Sunday. We watched the whole game tape, as a, or at least the first half, I believe, as a, as a team. So and I know that happened uh, 07 USC. I was gone, but I know they watched the game film after USC ran through them. In 2007, when they came here in Lincoln, I know they watched the whole game film as a team, just touching base with all the guys back here to see what the hell went wrong in that game. Uh, but yeah, you—it happens, man. You're always gonna, football's football, and any you're playing this level, you're gonna get your butt chewed, and that's that's okay because that means they care and they want you to be better. Who uh, took the brunt of the Billy C. Venom? Was there one guy that got yelled at more than than another? Oh, geez, there, there's some things that he had said that during practice and meetings that I can't repeat on this radio show unless it was a podcast. Sure. Uh, he, you know, he, Callahan worked with the offensive line a lot. He was a really good offensive line coach. And me being a defensive lineman, I mean, we spent a majority of our time in practice going against the ones and twos offensive line. And the things he would say to some guys, uh, it didn't matter who it was. I mean, he would just let you have it. He let, he let us have it too. Just if we weren't up to, you know, performing up to where he thought we needed to be, but he definitely, he 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 gave it to the offensive line just because that's that that's what he knew and that that's he was a good motivator that way and some guys responded very very well to it and then some guys didn't and they ended up playing so but he you know our offensive lines were pretty dang good when Bill was here with you know Slauson and Carl Nix and Lyden Murtha Chris Patrick and he got he got he got some uh, some guys to perform pretty pretty well or fairly well uh, during his time here. Jay Moore is with us. Jay uh, black shirts will be handed out at some point, and Coach White, very respectful of, of that tradition, and he's reached out to some former Huskers. He's reached out to Coach McBride, and 
your thoughts on on just how the the treatment uh, of that that honor goes. Uh, I know it's super important to you as a black shirt. Yeah, it's you know I'm very, very it's the greatest fraternity I've ever been a part of. I think being a part of the Nebraska football family is is a great fraternity, but being a black shirt that's kind of a an upper echelon fraternity that I'm obviously very proud of and you know, have them framed and still means a whole hell of a lot to me. Uh, every, every staff that's, that's been turned over. And unfortunately, you know, they've had their way of doing it. You know, Bo had his ways of doing it, not giving them out, taking them away. I, I think uh, Riley had his ways of, of handling it. And then, and then coach Frost and, and Chin had his ways of handling it. And I, listen, it's, it's needs to be, it's given to the best, the guys who are going to start. Mm-hmm. And whether that's 11, whether that's 14, whether that's 15, whether that's 16 guys, whatever it may be, it's the guys who are going to contribute and the guys who are, you know, quote unquote starters. And I, I don't, it's, it's their, it's their deal. The defensive coordinator, that's, that's, he can handle it whatever way he wants to. He's the man in charge and he can go about when, you know, what he wants to do. I'm sure coach rule has some input on it as well, but it's, it's one of those things where it is the greatest moment you know, to see that thing hanging in your locker, you know, you come down for meetings and you could be tired or whatever it is, but you see that thing, it gives you an extra, it just gives you something else, kind of puts a little S on your chest, feels like you're Superman for a little while when you wear it. And you want to, and the greatest thing is you want to, you know what it represents, and you know, the guys who wore it before you, you don't want to let them down because of the effort and the achievements that they've had before. You know, I, being a Nebraska kid, just thinking back to Trev Alberts and obviously Jason Peter, Grant Wistrom, Jay Foreman, you know, Jared Thomas, Kyle Vandenbosch, you know, all those great guys that played, you know, in the, in the front seven or on the D line. And, and what, just knowing that they're watching on Saturdays, and I don't want to let them down. So you better wear that thing proudly and do the necessary things during practice to make sure that Saturdays go the right way. So love the tradition. It's one of the best in all of college football. And obviously I'm biased, but I'm glad to hear that it's being upkept and, and treated with respect and in the right way because, I mean, do whatever you mean, bringing Charlie's back great, bringing former players back, that is, that's awesome. But the biggest thing is you just got to get the message across to those players that, hey, this, is, this isn't about you. This is about every single guy that ever put this on here, and you got to represent them for 12 weekends or 13, hopefully 14 weekends out of the year that you are representing – how many guys wore this thing week in and week out during the season and grinded and, uh, you know, put their tail on the line week in and week out, and you better go do the same and, and hold up their your end of the bargain. Jay Moore's with us. Jay, we'll get caught up again as we inch closer to Minnesota. Awesome perspective and love talking ball with you. Thanks for a few minutes. Happy early 40th. Appreciate that. Thanks, guys. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time on a Monday at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Big thanks to Charlie McBride, Jay Moore today. Tomorrow on the show, Mitch Sherman will join us from The Athletic. We'll have an open practice tomorrow morning for a little bit to, to check out and see uh, how Nebraska's looking. Tom Chattel tomorrow. Grant Wistrom. We'll sit down with this. We'll talk to the legendary black shirt and to take more of your thoughts, calls, emails, and then submissions via the stream. Ways to watch the show and get the show with Hale Varsity, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, 
Also, Hail Varsity Radio's Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio and the podcast. Elijah does an amazing job of getting all that up video. And, of course, on the uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play platforms with the entire show or just the segments. I rolled the dice yesterday. I took Junior to a location in the south part of town that is always busy. And it's even busier on Sunday. And it's then like three times the traffic because it's the Sunday before back to school. So Junior shook me down and Mama for back-to-school clothes. Mm. And I should have written the name down because this crap he pulled, he picked out that was, air quote, on sale was still a little exorbitant. Now, luckily, Mama had a gift card. I had some gift cards, and we were able to... It, it still hurt, but it didn't hurt as bad. So we, we, we did that. See, what's nice about being me, not having any kids, when back-to-school shopping rolls around, I don't have lucky to worry to about have, a kid. We're lucky to have one, and he, uh, he, you know, next thing, when he turns 21, he's going to want champagne and caviar. Mm. I think that sounds like, uh, I don't know, you're out of That's, the house now. That sounds like your problem. <laughs> I, I know. Go, go sell some shoes, and you can get some caviar for yourself That's right, your 21st. Junior, go, go part ways with some of your... Uh, shoe collection. But what's what's nice is I've been hitting the back to school sales, not having a kid, not going back to school. And you've been like, I didn't realize how nice, like thirty percent off these shoes I'm wearing now. Let's get them on. What camera. did you get here? These are some uh, Adidas. I don't even remember what they're called. I quite liked them. Are they the Boost or Bounce? No, they're not. They're some name I'd never heard of before. I like, I like the Boost because they make me a little taller. Mm, see, these are these are just comfy. Just they're, take them off. Clean. I don't need to see your legs. <laughs> uh, and then we also have uh, a brand new backpack in here for all my work essentials. Because uh, your other your uh, your other backpack ripped. Yeah, the strap broke off. Uh-huh. Which I, I don't know if you know much about backpacks, but the strap is one of the most important parts of being a backpack. Mm-hmm. You know, if uh, if it doesn't have straps, now it's now just a pack. It doesn't go in the back very well. So I got myself a new backpack, fifty percent off on that. And then I also got a text from my dad earlier today. Uh, with back-to-school sales happening all over. He said, hey, guys, I have $300-plus in Old Navy cash if anyone wants it. And I was like, bang, sign when? me up. <laughs> I'll be there. You could sell that to my wife for four fifty. dollars <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the business. I go stand outside Old Navy and say, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. $20 of Old Navy cash, $25. That's funny. That's funny. So, yeah, I might just come dripped out in a new, a new wardrobe completely next week. You're, you're going to come out with a, a new... Your boy crew has sound advice. The the thing is, is to not get the uh, the credit card too cranked up. Oh yeah, that's that's a key. But the Coles cash is also nice. My kid made fun of me because I did buy some Vans yesterday. So they look good. They, they're they're super thick. Dolman had them, so Dolman may beat me for copying him. They're cool though. All <laughs> right, we'll talk to you tomorrow at four. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.